Feedback is welcome in the show notes thread of our Discord server. Go to gleepsgaming.fun and click on the link. All right. Uh, so deja vu all over again, just like uh, Yogi Bear said. Hey, boo-boo. <laughs> no, it's Yogi, Yogi Bear. Joe has something he wants to share with the other children. Joe? Yeah, so Last Awakens Season 2 is out, and public servers can finally have tiles, meaning they can have multiple oasises in the same server. So I'm hosting one. It's five tiles, the max you can have. It's at Sunrunners Down, capital S, capital D, um, and capital R in the middle there, if I could Mm -hmm. learn Mm -hmm. to spell my own server. And uh, (laughs) it's an apostrophe S, so, yep. Just put that in there on the community servers and good to go. All are welcome. Um, It's PvP, PvE, but uh, no ganking. Please kill Vendus if you see him. But Mm -hmm, no gratuitous mm -hmm, ganking. mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, should be fun. Is there any way for for you to like put a sign up that where when people spawn in for the first time it says you know please kill Vendus if you see him? I'm building like a monument to Vendus actually within (laughs) within the server in the sand. As you you should. (laughs) <laughs> Tem- Tem- Temple of the Dying Vendus. Yes. <laughs> yes. Of the ever dying Vendus. <laughs> like a... must die for your sin, then he must do it many times over because your sins many, are. Many, many times. And I have yes. a lot of sins. That's right. That's right. That's right. Daddy drinks because Vendus is alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of brutal, but okay. <laughs> Well, so, uh, Joe, can you give us a, a quick recap? Because this is a, a major upgrade for uh, Last Oasis, um, and, uh, and this is your server. So you, you can control um, all the things. Uh, you can uh, deny admission to um, uh, the Chinese hordes uh, who um, come to pillage and, uh, and uh, do unspeakable things to our Ruku. <laughs> um, so how... How is it different now than it was um, in the uh, prior to the update? And um, what uh, do you, if you have any uh, short-term plans uh, and would care to share? Uh, please, uh, you know, just uh, give us give us a quick synopsis of uh, of what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, what's different? They've like doubled the number of walkers. Um, they've definitely been taking feedback from players. Um, they've been busy. It hasn't even been out a year yet. I mean. <laughs> We're so used to games being early access for like two years, five years, seven years, <clears throat> star season. But yeah, <laughs> they're like, I think I think the nine or 10th month mark. And uh, they're either doing like a second season, which sounds a little bit weird, but there's a lot more PVE content. Um, you can actually take like missions now. Um, you can sell stuff to in-game merchants. Um, there's a lot more maps. They're continuously to polish the maps that are there. Um, lots of new items and things, um, creatures. So, yeah, a lot to do. Um, what do I want to do with the server? Well, depends on what kind of community we build, but I'm, I'm open to anything and, and the tools they give us. Uh, first things first is kind of getting everything working, uh, getting the server with all the tiles, uh, getting that initial player base in, and getting some plans, and getting some... I'm open to anything, really. Like, like back to the old Star Wars Galaxy days where... You know, players create um, the community, they create, you know, the trade, they create kind of what, what happens, and we'll, we'll take it from there. 
Okay, well, excellent. Well, it sounds, you know, and what's, I'm sorry, what is the, I, I know the symbol of the developer is like a laughing donkey or something. What, what's the name of the, of the, the company? Oh, you put me on the spot there, but thankfully I remember it's Donkey Crew. Donkey Crew. Okay, um, you know, definitely feel good about supporting this group of guys because um, if we can remember back to the initial uh, launch of Early Access, there was a, was a horrendous uh, debacle to do with uh, servers, people being able to get logged in and what have you, and um, they uh, they tried their best to, to fix it. Uh, they weren't able to do it themselves. They had to bring in some some bigger brains on the uh, networking back end side of things. Uh, and of course those, those guys cost them, uh, cost them money. And what, and the thing that I really like and, and remember, will always remember is that when it became clear after, I think it was, was it less than a week or about a week when it became clear that this wasn't going to get fixed overnight, they just said, Hey, anyone that wants a complete refund, no questions asked. We just want you know, to be do right by the people that have stepped up to back us. And we hope that if you do take a refund, that you'll give us another chance later on down the road when we have things um, under control. And so I, that, I think that that type of development and that kind of honesty with their community uh, deserves being rewarded, you know, holding everything else, you know, equal. But so, um, yeah, definitely um, I will have all the stuff in the show notes uh, for the server itself and um, we will uh, we will uh, update it uh, in, in update progress in subsequent uh, shows in the future how's that that's perfect future, future. Uh, can I have a future checks in the mail <laughs> checks in the mail on that advertisement <laughs> yeah as long as you just don't <laughs> in my mouth <laughs> just so, sorry um uh, no, but seriously. All right, well. Presented for your consideration. Three, two, one. Boom. Did you guys feel that? I don't know what just happened, but I liked it. Okay. Well, uh, what happened is we are all now four-dimensional beings. Finally. You're welcome. I thought that was the quarry down the road going off. (laughs) All the pants are stretch pants now, so we got that going for us. And uh, so all bow before the sacred tool shed. That's what she said. And in the immortal words of Hefe, as played by Tony Plana in the film that helped define a generation, of course, Three Amigos, that's some trick. But now that we are here in our fourth dimension selves, were we to group up in that Star Wars Squadrons game, would that game instantly become a 2D side-scroller? Maybe if we turned off the uh, simulation. I think it becomes an 8D side scroller. 
Really? So if we're in 4D and mm. we play a 3D game, I think that it loses a level of depth, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know for sure. I don't know. I mean, this is... where Again, I say, where is Avi Physics when we need him? Um, but anyway, if you listen real hard with the right kind of ears, you will hear minds being blown just like popcorn. Now, I'm thinking if we play that same game then in VR, what, what, what do you suppose a VR 2D side-scroller would look like? How do you think that that would work? There's actually a few of those, and it's um, it looks like looking at a bigger screen <laughs> with a headset on. <laughs> but there's like, but there's no depth though to it. Hmm. I think you have. I mean, I'm. That just looks like a you wall. Know, you know, you, yeah. I mean, so it's it's a wall, but I'm imagining if it's if it's virtual and it had some depth, you know, it would have limited depth and it would have a consistent depth, so you couldn't walk into it and keep going but you could say maybe walk into it turn to the right and then scroll along with you know so i'm thinking of like a, a moving walkway between uh, terminals like at uh, you know san francisco international you know um you know and i'm thinking like we could have all you know back to the uh, the squadrons analogy we could have all the rebel ships including you know that hammerhead one that pushed the star destroyer into the super star Dest- the other way around was it a super star destroyer into a, I don't know. Anyway, uh, favorite part of that of that movie, um, and all the Empire ships too. You could have all the big scary ones, all the little screamy ones, all the uh, the tie um tie die, all them tie dilation fighters, huh? Yeah, huh? Huh? You see what I, you see what, I, what mm-hmm. I'm doing there? Mm-hmm. All right. And all the planets, along with all the stupid creatures that Lucas imagineered, because turn of the century Bay Area cocaine was just that good. I'm with you so far. I was there. Go on. <laughs> we, we get the, the Gungans, the Gungans and their smelly underwater city. We saw got a grand army. We saw got an armada, boys. <laughs> <laughs> that is literally throwing <laughs> blue balls at the enemy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Joe and uh, and Venice got that one, but uh, Sorian did. Yes, <laughs> that was. That, I will never. I will never forget that one. Um, That'll be my final words. Actually, on my deathbed, I'll play that. <laughs> um, and all all that on a single moving walkway, slowly slouching towards security. I'm, and I'm thinking infinitely tall and deep. You know, infinitely tall and, you know, through the floor deep. But no wider than the subest subatomic particle. Can I ask some clarifying just, questions I, here? Yes, please. So, so this, is, this is a 2D world, and we are viewing it along, like, its axis. So, like, we're looking down the, the barrel of this plane, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so all we see, so we're actually in a two-dimensional world at that point. We're looking at a one-dimensional view, then. Well, I think well, it's two-dimensional in the sense that a cartoon, like in the in the in the in the in the newspaper, is mm-hmm. is two-dimensional. Um, it has height. It has you know, it has a top and a bottom. Although th- those are both infinite, and then it also has a left and a right. Though again, those are both infinite too. So it's an infinite plane. Um, if you have a left and a right and a top and a bottom, then I don't think it's. But 
Well, I guess if, if you're well, looking I'm, at it from inside of it, then you don't have a left and a right anymore. Well, you see, this is this is the part where it gets tricky with the four dimensions, being a fourth dimensional being, because I think you get to do super. It's like being a. It's like your superpower, you know, being a fourth dimensional being. You know, you see, you see what I'm saying. So, and and I'll also, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm ignoring any. <laughs> any sense of reason or science or anything like that in, in lieu of uh, the rule of cool. If it's cool, then it'll work. <laughs> yeah. And so, so I'm imagining this thing. And so we have, we have this people mover um, that is uh, taking us uh, along the Star Wars Squadrons universe. And uh, it takes us to... Um, to security. It drops us off at security where we run into special TSA agent Darth Vader. You see, this is this is how you make it fun. And he says, you will remove your shoes and place the belt in... <laughs> Damn it! Damn it! Okay. <clears throat> you will remove your shoes and belt and place them within the gray plastic tub. Now remove your trousers. Slowly. And then, of course, if you object, he says, I have altered the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. Okay, so that part, you can just leave that part off. <laughs> I, I have altered the deal. Pray I, I have do not alter it further. Thank you. I don't know where my James Earl Jones went. I think I lost my James Earl, or I lost the charge on my James Earl Jones when the power went out today. So No. No. <laughs> and then when the power came back on, I had no internet for another another two hours. Although, you know what? I'm, I'm going to shout out Comcast here. I know that uh, it's it's a lot of people have a really tough time with, with Comcast. I called them up and they said, look, it's going to be fixed by six o'clock your time. And I said, that's not good. And they said, we're going to do our best to get it done faster. And this is not the first time this has happened, obviously. I mean, because I've been alive for more than a week. Um, but they always under promise and over deliver. It was back up by, by 4.30 my time. So I've noticed they are either awesome or literally the worst, and there's no in between for Comcast. I, you know, I totally, I totally believe that because I've had them at home, and it's been like your experience, just, just god awful, terrible, makes me want to tear my eyeballs out. And I like my eyeballs; I need them. I need them for seeing Star Wars at the airport. Then I had one time we had like a dude running up and down the street checking different signals because it was like an intermittent problem. So he'd run up and down the street to check different boxes as fast as he could before it stopped happening. <laughs> Shout out to that man. <laughs> well, you know, and that's this is this is a, a gentleman who has a loose grasp on the notion of fourth dimension phenomena. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The speed of light comes into the equation very quickly, and you may be fleet of foot, but you're not that fast. Well, you're not faster than the signal, but you're faster than, I guess, whatever the problem it, it happens randomly. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, you know, I mean, they didn't have this kind of humor back, you know, 1800s, you know, early 1900s. They didn't have it. We got it. When, when did when did Faraday start making waves? <laughs> Get it? Ooh, that's Micro a good question. Electromagnetic waves. It's a, it's a nerd deep cut. <laughs> that was was he? He was uh, prior to Tesla, right? I believe so. Yeah, the Faraday waves. Because yeah, because they. Um, God, it's been a long time since I've I've seen any of that. But it was. Uh, 
that would have been an interesting time to be alive because you would like go to a, a theater and you would see demonstrations of this stuff and you know shock an elephant to death and shit. Yeah, I mean, what you know, what would you think of that? I was like, I don't know, but but it's it's got to cure something, right? <laughs> so just bring all your sick family members. It's got to cure something. Um, all right. Well, before before I forget, uh, today is Monday, the November the twenty third. It's um, ah wow, it's eighteen hundred and thirty one. Eighteen hundred hours, thirty one minutes upon this Pacific time clock. Uh, twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine. I'm Gleep. He's Sorian. Other he is Vendus. Welcome back, Vendus. It's so good to have you back. Other other he, he's Evil Joe. And this is a perfect game. Our late fallish November pants cast offering. More about that at the end of the show. Now, a perfect game. What does that mean to us? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Anyone? Fun time. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry? But the good fun time that you have. Good fun times. Okay. Can you can you speak more about that? Maybe perhaps an example. Well, I like a game that gives me like if I'm if I have thirty minutes to invest, I want to have a good time, and particularly I'd like to have a good time with friends. I don't want to invest mm-hmm. thirty minutes and get absolutely nothing, or worse, lose a bunch of stuff and be more miserable than I was when I started the game. I want it to make me feel better, like a like a good round of deep rock. Yes, yes, that's that's good. I, that's good. I like that. That the uh, the feel better. I think that's important. Um, and so uh, then, if you could, uh, we'll say that you you consider Deep Rock um, at times to be a perfect game for you. Yeah. Okay. And uh, uh, some other games. And please, uh, you know, go back into your uh, into your gaming history and feel free to pull whatever you would like from wherever it is you have it hidden. <laughs> oh. Let me check my crevices. <laughs> my memory crevices. Yeah. Let's see. I think Destiny is also a perfect game for me. Um, Warframe. Hell, even Minecraft a lot of the time. Like, you can put in the time and get some stuff done and then, you know, get out of there. Stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, absolutely. I can see that for, for both of those. Um, the Unreal Tournaments. Yes, you you've been you've been reading my show notes, haven't you? Maybe. Um, all right. Well, uh, great. Uh, uh, Joe Vendis, uh, what about you guys? See, I'm the opposite end of the spectrum. For me, I mean, I like a great session-based game, and I love it for all the reasons that Sorian likes it. Like you can play with friends for 30 minutes. You don't. You you can come in after a month and still have fun. That's great. Mm-hmm. I, I do really like games like that, and I love Deep Rock. But for mm-hmm. me, the perfect game to date has been Star Wars Galaxies. And I've been chasing that dragon for a long, long time. And hoped it would be Star Citizen. Um, along the way, it was Ark, or it was um, Conan Exiles more recently. It's Last Oasis. I think prior to that, for a minute, for a hard minute, it was Dark and Light. And even way before that, it was the original Dark and Light, which probably no one remembers and no one has played, but very cool game that had cool things like changes of season, um, real-world weather, high-level characters like druids that can change the weather. And to me, a game that, like, when you, you put time into it and that time that you've put into it, it sort of carries on with you. 
So, mm-hmm. but in the same token, I have a love-hate relationship with. You feel good because you accomplish stuff in a game, but to to really feel that you've accomplished something, you risk things, and you risk your time, and you risk your character, and you risk your items and your stuff. And there's definitely been times where I've died in game or got killed and lost a lot and it stings it stings really bad but that makes the other moments that much better um mm-hmm. yeah and that's to me that's why i keep trying to get back to that game where it's a community of players who sort of isn't just the devs that write the story or control what's going on um you have other players around you that kind of shape your experience and to me that's kind of the perfect game but it's hard it's hard to kind of to get there and maybe it's a full quest right like to ever try to get back to something like star wars galaxies was for me a long time ago yeah i don't know if i would i mean i understand what you're saying but i would know if, if i would say it's a fool's quest but i think as you continue on that quest that you might refine your expectations or your parameters i guess um that you um you know you you see, you see things in, in games that you played earlier in your life and you want to see them again, or you kind of want to, like you said, chase the dragon, uh, sort of relive that magic. Um, and it could be that there was something about that time and that place that really made that, and, and who you were at that time in, in that place, that made that experience unique. Um, and you know, so <laughs> like Uncle Rico, you know, living in a, in his van out in the middle of a field, you know, recording himself throwing a football, you know, it just it might just be that you're not going to get back to the big game again. <laughs> um, but maybe you need to find a different game to play in. Um, so, I, but I, I I like that. That's that's good. And uh, so, but and I'm I'm interested about Star Wars Galaxies because I played that game too. I played and I I did with that game what I did with a, a lot of, or more than one game, I should say, at, during that time in my life and in my gaming career, um, I, pl- I was there at launch and I played, you know, hours and hours and hours, I'm, you know, hundreds of hours within the first six months and I burned myself out on it. Um, and then I had, to, I had to go do something else or, you know, for whatever reason, gaming dropped off my radar or, or what have you. So, but um, so I'm interested to hear what you have to say about why that was a a perfect game. And I'm doing Richard's fingers here. Uh, why that was a perfect game for you during that period of time when you were playing it? Yeah, it was weird. So uh, I play with a, a group of friends, and I grew up in basically Pennsylvania, so it was hard to even get like fast internet. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a buddy. Um, who had an apartment in town, had decent internet, and my PC lived there. And that's not where I lived, but like, you know, I would spend a lot of time there, and there was about four or five PCs that were just always there. And we we used to like land games quite a bit. It was like endearing land, but then we found Star Wars Galaxies, and we all started playing it. And Mm -hmm. it it was pretty awesome. So there was like... My first foray into, like, um, not my first foray into, like, group play. I play with my friends who are land locally, but I think that was the first time we actually started playing with, like, people um, online, getting to know them, and, you know, actually, like, having continuing relationships with them. That sounds weird. 
but yeah, like friendships that like <laughs> that are online. Yeah. But because usually before that was like Unreal Tournament, you would go into a match, you would like maybe you play online, you kill some people, whatever. Right. You never see those people again, right? Um, right. Mech Warrior Online, not more. Not, sorry, Mech Commander, played that. Um, you'd play a match with somebody, it was over, it's done, um, and you would never see them again. But yeah, that was yeah. sort of like the first time where you, you had sort of a community and you were building things. And it was, I mean, that game was ahead of its time in so many ways. Oh yeah. And maybe I mean, there's sort of other games like Ultima Online that did a lot of a lot of cool things. But like building your own towns, having your own economy. Um, we had a guy on our server who was like awesome weaponsmith and gathered all these materials and made this rifle that was just friggin' OP as hell. And then mm -hmm. some bounty hunter got it, respect his character around that, and everybody knew him. Like, and it was just, it was cool because, you know, you knew you knew this you knew this is the guy that you went to buy weapons off of, and if you had one of his weapons, it was something to be proud of. Like, look, I got this awesome great pistol or whatever it was and or you know hey i saw so-and-so in the market you know on naboo mm -hmm. and that's the dude that killed whoever and like that was awesome because it was none of it was written in fact swg right. the, the written part sucked <laughs> like <laughs> the quests like all, all the stuff that the devs actually did wasn't that good but what the players had created was awesome and it was it was really cool because if you went to a different server it was a whole different take on everything. Like, they had a different cast of characters. Um, you know, different planets took on a different theme, if you will, because players literally rewrote the history of the maps, you know, the planets. And to me, that's that's what was cool. It was like a unique experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, that sounds like even within the game itself, you were in a, uh, in a special place. In a special place... It, on the server that you were with, the combination of the people that you were playing with and how their play contributed to the story that unfolded. Um, but, I, I mean, that, that's that's cool because you had, like, an organically organically grown... That sounds kind of weird for a computer game, but um, the characters that developed in a believable way developed a set of skills, a particular set of skills, uh, that they were able to take and have a major impact on the narrative of that community as it progressed over time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the cool thing about it was, like, you had personal vendettas. You had, I mean, metal you know, the whole meta, like, kind of came into it, right? Like, you may have a guild where, like, two people met online, got married, and then, like, they divorced, and the guild splits, and there's a civil war. And, like, weird things like that would, like, occur, and it, it but everybody felt it. And, well, I don't wish, you know, marital strife on anyone, and that's certainly hard, but, like, yeah, it was a, it brings, like, this weird dynamic to the game where, like, you're, you're sort of playing in this, I don't know, I don't know how best to, describe it but it, you, you end up having a very unique experience it's not of course there was like go kill five wombats or whatever and that those kind of quests but like everyone kind of did that and you those were the things that you kind of did to get to a certain point but that wasn't like what you really did in the game right that was like right. your commute to work sort of thing that everybody did but yeah you everything had you had community right and unique items that weren't just 
some randomly generated thing that someone that something somebody created over months of time of gathering resources that moved around and I don't know there's a lot to do in that game I never felt yeah. like and it it was interesting too because it was never like oh I gotta do A B C you could kind of just get lost um, all the different professions sort of mattered in their own little way um, mm-hmm. dancers gave you buffs there was you know we had characters who like because you remember you could like completely do like macros and stuff and, like so you had characters who would like do these macros with it do um, color changes like color clothing it also mm-hmm. changed like their physical features and so they were like um, this one character was like basically you'd pay for a buff they would run the macro and they would shape change and their their whole character was they were a shapeshifter and mm-hmm. and they would incorporate into their dance and there was like different dances they could do and they would change all those and like that was just neat and a player created that essentially created that you know right, right, that wasn't something right. that was unintended but not necessarily intended and the way that they did it you know it's pretty awesome i mean then but so also the, the player had the player had the uh, the latitude to do that or the power the uh, the ability to create that uh, that aspect to, to a character which was larger than the character itself y- yeah and they you know well, gamers are going to do that, right? They're gonna, there's always going to be unintended consequences, and there's always going to be meta. And there, I mean, there's games that do it, like something like that, somewhat better. Like Second Life probably does that a lot better, and you know where people in the are, early days, in the early days, but <laughs> Bef- before before some things happened, <laughs> it was cool how certain characters did that and made it interesting and expanded. It was almost like a mod in an MMO that everyone could kind of enjoy. That like didn't break the game, but kind of made it more enjoyable and kind of unique. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool. And I, to be honest with you, I think that game was great despite Star Wars and despite mm-hmm. Zoe. <laughs> it was just like accidentally really good for a while. And there's a lot mm-hmm. that was bad about it. But there's a lot that's bad about all games in life. And I think... I, I don't know. There was so much good about it. I still talk about it, and it's my benchmark for: is this game good? Kind of like, can I kill Vendis? You know, <laughs> can I have the same experience I had in SWG? And yeah, I mean, man, I was excited yeah. to play that game. I mean, and, and there's very few times I've been excited to play a game. Like I can count it on like one hand, and I'm always just looking for that again. That, that excellent, excellent. All right, well, Vendis. Um, what uh, please do be sharing because I'm um, you. I, I don't know who uh, between the three of you guys has played the most games. Probably that would be that would just be an enormous list. It definitely is a big list, but I'm with Joe on Star Wars Galaxies. There's a reason that I'm back on the Legend server and actually playing Star Wars Galaxies actively right now. And I just want oh, to throw okay. out there like Jump the Lightspeed was huge and. I get angry when I play Jump to Lightspeed today because mm-hmm. I go, they had working multi-crew ships. How come other mm-hmm. games can't figure that out? I know, right? right. Like, right. it was working. You can run around on the ship, repair the ship. You can jump into a turret. You could run the bar. And and that's the aspect, like, I'm really excited because the main creator, the the designing creator, I guess I you would call him, but behind Star Wars Galaxies is working on another sandbox MMO to be revealed in 2021. Oh, um, so I'm really, really excited because he basically an interview he did. I can't remember his name. It's escaping me right now. But like his interview that he did, he made the comment. He said MMOs, in my opinion, have stepped backwards over the years. Um, mm-hmm. He wants to take it back to the Star Wars Galaxies feel where an MMO should be a sandbox. 
not super empty because that was my problem with 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 galaxies well not my problem i think other people's problem is there were times mm-hmm. where there was so much open space in galaxies you would travel forever without seeing anything but at the right. same time you're on a planet and like tatooine it's a desert planet mm-hmm. there's not gonna be people everywhere it's a desert you know <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, I mean, it's like I had I had wind farms. I had wind farms, and I sold energy, and I got richer than God in about three months. And then I got, I I bought everything that I could, and then I got bored and I quit. <laughs> Where are you now? I need energy. I need more energy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not there anymore. I stopped paying the subscription. You don't need a sub. Just come play Legends. It's free. <laughs> but they're NGE though, so some people don't like it. I uh. Star Wars Galaxies was my first MMO that I really played consistently. And um, just mm-hmm. the, the thing with that for me was not so much like like losing stuff like in survival games, but the, the kind of persistence that I get um, going forward and like Warframe or Destiny kind of has the same vibe, but you don't, not quite the same. But the what's really missing completely now, in my opinion, is that, that sense of community that Joe was talking about. Because I had the same thing and I... I didn't go out looking for that. I just made friends because you had to make right. friends do stuff. But I, I really enjoyed the people that I that I talked to and played with and and helped craft things like. And that there there was some of that in World of Warcraft for a while, and then they killed that off with a lot of various features that came out. But it really, I mean, it's it's just really dead now. People want to rush to the end of missions and games, like especially in Warframe. And just get to the completion of stuff, and they do not—they're not in it for the social aspects of things anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what that's the part that I was saying about you know a particular time in a particular place and a, a particular player that you were because you were the player you were at that time was to some extent uh, a function of the games that had been available up to that point. And right. we've moved way, way further down the timeline from there. Um, and then you can see, so, and you can think of, you know, all the online games that uh, people have grown, uh, grown with uh, since that time. And, uh, you know, so how many, how many versions of, uh, you know, COD, how many versions of Battlefield, how many, um, you know, and then of course the fork knife, when the fork knife landed, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a whole big different way of gaming and more to the point a whole different way of growing within gaming and you know developing expectations and developing ways of playing games with other people so you guys are describing a situation where the playing with other people was very cooperative i mean you know certainly there were there were um there was you know, there were opportunities for for engaging in combat, but there's there was also a good reason and a good opportunity to cooperate. Um, and now it's you know what what I what I what I need is that chicken dinner, and you're in my way of that chicken dinner, and so um, you know you must die. Um, so I don't I don't know if it's I don't know if it's worse. I don't know if it's better. I just know it's different and. Um, uh, you know, it would be an interesting question for somebody who uh, grew up playing battle royal, you know, games. Or it will be an interesting question a few years down the road, where it's you have a, a player who it grew into gaming, discovered themselves as a gamer, or developed themselves as a gamer in that world, and what it is that um, what their special moments were, and um, and how they go looking for the next one, if they do. 
I mean, this could be this just could be a thing that doesn't doesn't happen like that anymore. So I don't know. Um, Vendus, did you have any other game other than than Star Wars that you wanted to bring up from your past? Hmm. No, I mean Star Wars is the big one for me. Uh, I, I was I was sitting here trying to think of games, but the problem is I, I do switch games a lot, as everyone knows. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of always have. Um, I guess I mean Unreal Tournament. I, I, countless hours of fun. I, okay, Battlefield nineteen forty two and Battlefield Vietnam were massive games for me though. Uh, okay. Because okay. to me, I guess that was going to the era of time. That was when it was the thing we did over the weekend was we brought all our computers to my friend's house because he had a big old garage thing and he had all the network ports set up and we'd have massive LAN parties and just play Battlefield 1942 or Battlefield Vietnam for the whole weekend and that was Mm -hmm. a ton of fun I mean and it had a sense of community in the sense where it was all of our friends getting together and we'd have random people because from our Warhammer group they'd come over and play because they were like oh my god I want to check it out and they'd come and play and then we'd also play some Warhammer and I mean yeah those games are probably cornerstones yeah so i mean you you would you would go there and time would disappear yeah and that's the key thing of a game like i play games to de-stress right and if i can't play the game and de-stress and let time just pass why am i playing it right Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm and i I know that that's a challenge that we've uh, we've had uh in in recent times i'm not not all the time but um, I'm thinking of GTA, GTAO in particular, where it's there's such um, a chore to get everybody together that you know it's that's not that's not de-stressing. That's just creating stress, you know. So um, I, I don't know. I don't know what that means. If that means anything, but it's just a, it's something that came to my mind when you were describing that situation. Because I think that's kind of what I'm driving at is like situations where you're gaming either by yourself or with friends where time disappears, where you get into that zone and uh, the, the, your life outside of that game uh, ceases to be a problem, I guess, for, for a little while. I mean, it's sort of that escapism kind of thing, you know, the same way that, you know, you, you're having, you're having a, um, a rough patch with a significant other or something, and you go to a movie, and for a couple of hours, you're not, you know, in the middle of that. You know, you don't have that uh, alien face hugger on your head, you know, for those couple of hours. Unless you go to see Alien, then maybe you do. Uh, but it's it's an opportunity for being somewhere else. So, good. Okay. Well, um, and so back to the to my failure of um, of introducing the fourth dimension uh, into this conversation. <laughs> Yeah, not giving up that easily. Uh, the reason I brought it up is, um, and I understand that there's a, there's a bit of a, uh, a debate uh, currently going on in this in those uh, worlds about that um, in in the sciences, if you will. Uh, and of course, yes, I'm talking about Crazy Al Einstein's time dilation, space time theory or relativity thing. Um, but for our purposes here, you know, and put simply, time. I'm going to propose that time may be thought of as the fourth dimension in space-time. Um, and I, I believe Al actually actually said that, but there are some folks that are rethinking that now. So I'm not, I, don't, I definitely not... I don't want to get in the way of that train because those... Um, you know, how many pocket protectors have to die in order that we might discuss this? I don't know, and I don't want to be responsible. But anyway, so I'm going to say that 
considering time as the fourth dimension of space-time, that it allows for a truly perfect game to exist at all. Because I think if you if you go into that trap of um, at all in a three-dimensional space, which is the of course the only space we can consider it from, really, um, that for that to exist at all, you have to be able to have a memory of like you were just saying, Vendis, that was perfect. You know, the weekend at your buddy's house in the garage, you have that memory and maybe that game wasn't as much fun if you were playing it at home by yourself or um, maybe it just wasn't the same and it didn't it didn't have the same quality where you were able to have that um, quality um, gaming moment so it, it wasn't it, it didn't create the memories anyway so um, and but so Oh, yes, and that it allows for um, the same game, that same game, to be perfect at a point in time and then not perfect at another point in time. So what I'm trying to get away from is this is the best game ever. I mean, we have strong candidates for that argument, you know, Star Wars Galaxies, um, you know, Minecraft, uh, uh, Battlefield. Uh, but they're not all... They don't. We don't want to place the burden upon them of always having to be perfect for them to exist as uh, a perfect game for us because we have the situation that Joe described where you're chasing the dragon again. And if you're looking, if you're comparing every next game to that perfect game and that perfect experience you had in that game with your friends, then you're really setting, I, I believe that it's possible that you're setting yourself up for failure and you're setting the game up for failure. So if you're looking at Last Oasis through the lens of is this the next Star Wars Galaxies, that's an awfully, that's an awfully tough um, uh, bar for uh, Last Oasis to clear. You know what I mean? Um, so uh, no game is perfect all the time, though some games are never perfect, ever. Not at all. Not, not even once. Um, and so, uh, does that, can we all agree on that? Yeah. I think, yeah, uh, to, to an extent. I mean, I think there's a, there's games that I had like a, I think Ark is like the game that I look at that I, I said, hey, you know what? I had a really good run with this game. I appreciate it. And it's, it's a first for me where I, I played it for a long time and then said, hey, I'm done with the game. And... Mm -hmm. And it and just it, it's almost like an amicable breakup, like you date for so long and you had all your great moments and you're just like you know, it's time to move on. We've changed, you know. We've <laughs> just the magic's just not there. But like you can kind of still look fondly back on that. You don't have to like rearrange your circle of friends or anything like that. And uh, for me, that was art. But I mean, I I think some people play a game. I think the the players who like, hey, I beat that game in 72 hours. I did everything I was supposed to do in that game, and I move on. Um, mm. There's a certain type of gamer that does that. There's a, I still haven't done everything that you can do in Ark, <laughs> like, and I never mm -hmm. will. But right, for me, I'm trying to find a role to live in for a while, and that's what I look for in a game. So like a session-based game is never going to really do it for me because it doesn't give me a sense of living in a world. But I do like playing session-based games mm -hmm. with friends. Mm -hmm. I love Deep Rock. Can't wait to get back into it with you guys. But mm -hmm. That's not what I'm looking for for like my main mode of entertainment, and that's why I liked about 
Star Wars Galaxies. And I would argue that had that game continued to grow with its player base, it could still be relevant. And I never really played EVE online, but I know people do and still do. And it mm-hmm. seems like that game is constantly evolving and maintaining a player base. And there's people who are living within that world and they seem content. What do you think about right. that, Gleep? I mean, because you, you used to play, right? I played a very little bit, and gotcha. um, and what I uh, thought about the game was well, I didn't I didn't have a whole lot of people to play with. I played I played a little bit with Vendus and with uh, Johnny Eleven Bravo, um, and it just never got over the hump. And I was also not all that crazy about um, about uh, I wanted to fly a spaceship and not pilot a spaceship from you know from third-person perspective, you know, 20 meters behind the ship, you know? You know what I mean? Um, I didn't, because at that time, what I was really looking for was something to hold me over until Star Citizen was ready, and where um, I was I was, I was, was judging all my next games off of um, the Imagine trailer, and uh, so Eve did, didn't, didn't hold up there, you know? And so, yeah, it just... For whatever whatever reason, the timing just didn't work out. But, uh, that's I didn't realize I, you you started that game after you had met Star Citizen. So my foray into Eve was before I met Star Citizen, and it just didn't. I ended up going back to the X series. I think it was X two or X three. I can't remember at the time. Probably X two and then mm-hmm, to X three. Mm-hmm. And I love mm-hmm. this is a game we did because it's a single player game. So I don't have community, but that game took a lot of my life um <laughs> it's a horrible way to put it yeah but, and I, I i love the x series uh very because i like it, it, it scratched a lot of itches for me at, at the time i was and i was still waiting back to venice's point too like the the day i found star citizen i was literally looking for something like jtl i was looking for like multi-crewed ship games or space games or something i was doing google searches and stumbled upon star citizen back in mm-hmm. like Late two thousand, I mean, it was, I think it was November two thousand twelve, because I was in Arizona, I was in the military at this time, I was in training. But and like one weekend, I was like just had nothing to do, and I was searching for that because I was looking for something that was like JTL, and yeah, that's how I, and that was like I got to get a constellation because that's that's a large multi crew ship it has four four people can be on that ship. <laughs> that's right, and you. And, and unlike, you know, Elite Dangerous, you can get off the ship and you can walk around and you can, um, you know, go into town and you can, you know, talk to the, the shady guy at the bar and he'll, uh, you know, give you a mission and uh, you can, you know, all those things, all those things that we've seen in the commercials. Um, and then you 30K. <laughs> or you walk through no, no. an airlock and your head falls off. <laughs> the, the the 30k happened a long time ago. <laughs> it just this is that's by the time you get into the bar, it's already happened half a dozen times. <laughs> but we're not going there. We're not going there. We've 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 finished that. Damn okay, you, Derek so, Smart. <laughs> so anyway, what I'm trying to is you know I want to be free to accept an imperfect game as being perfect for me. You know what I mean? Um, I. I you know, and I want to understand that true perfection, you know, in, in, in other words, totally perfect at all times isn't practically achievable. Um, I think that, you know, we may look back on games like Star Wars or um, uh, particular periods in Minecraft and say, no, that was perfect. 
but I think that our our filter of memory will will uh, filter out some of the things that maybe were less than perfect, some of the bad experiences we had, and we'll just have the fond memories, uh, which is fine. That's good. I mean, there's no reason to carry all that stuff around with you about a game or anything in life. Uh, so, uh, but I, I I do want to be able to appreciate a game. The game <laughs> I want to I want to be able to love the game I'm with, um, and so. Uh, uh, and then I also I want to be also open to that idea because I what you had said just a moment ago Joe about while you were uh, or uh, deep rock but your that's not your that's not your ultimate goal um, and um, I I totally get that um, and I also want to not become a slave to that notion to the notion of well this is you know you're just the girl I'm going to date until you know so and so comes to her senses and realizes that I'm the only one for her you know because uh, I don't think that 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 works out well too or at least I should say that I've tried it and it doesn't uh, I don't want to do that anymore um, uh, but then and so then. And I, and I know I'm 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 getting a little deep into this, but that was sort of sort of the point of the of the the question, the original question of what a perfect game is. How how do we experience perfection? Um, and this, of course, is entirely subjective, which is why I'm asking all of you the same question. Um, how how do you guys experience perfection in a game? Yeah, I think for me. You don't know it when it's happening. It, just, it happens. Like, you hit this zen moment that, to me, has like only been apparent um, after the fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had some TGWS times in ARC that I look back on, and I'm like, how did that happen? And we recently had a moment like that in Scum. I'm like, how did this happen? Like, mm. we had, like, over 10 players in a game all at once like regularly and i'm like this is just something i put together so like pit and i could like screw around <laughs> and then like right wolf showed up zamp showed up soaring was there um venice was there there's a lot of other people who were there and it was like solid solidus was there you know mm-hmm. it was like i hadn't gained with him in a long time and it was like people just showed up in game and it was like holy hell we have like 15 people right now <laughs> we're all running around and it was just hilarious. Like, just doing common things. Like, ah, it's dark in a game and foggy. And we're all mm-hmm, freezing mm-hmm. to death. But, like, Wolf's got a guitar. And, <laughs> you know, we have a fire. And, like, it was fun. Like, I, and, you know, like, what were we accomplishing? Because there's not much you can... If you're not doing PvP and scum, like, what are you accomplishing? But, like, I don't know. Like, we had a time where there was a bunch of us building this pirate town like everyone's building their own buildings around this bay and on the island and uh in arc and we one one weekend we had like a we we're like hey let's have an auction this saturday and everyone got stuff to auction off right like items and dinos and everything it was like it was like a whole event like but it was so cool like looking back to that because it was just the social aspect of it we did one mm-hmm. of the uh, one of the caves and there was like way too many of us there and like became this whole big ordeal but like it was fun because you had a lot of people engaged in doing things and yeah it's so weird 
to me, that's what I try to do now. It's like try to get not like herd to cats, but like find something that everyone's interested in and could get into and do something. And for, yeah, for me, the big difference though is from like because you know we can, I mean, Darison can like gather herd the cats for a meetup in, in Star Citizen right now, but for me, mm-hmm. it's like kind of hollow because it's like it goes away. It's not endearing, right? But like if you you work all week to like tame some animals or build some things that you're going to auction off or whatever, or you're, you're prepping for this big raid that everyone gets involved in and we all die because we can't jump and we fall in the lava, but it was fun anyways. And, you know, those are the things I kind of like looking for, like where it's those en- endearing moments that are enduring, um, mm-hmm. sort of work mm-hmm. for that just aren't like, well, we got together on Saturday and we flew around in a hammerhead and shot some things then but you know our credits reset anyway so it, it doesn't matter but right right and then yeah uh, the yeah I, I i totally get it um uh sorian um how how do you experience perfection in a game and and if i if i could ask you too because i know you play you, you may play more games by yourself than joe does um how do you experience in a single player game I think for me, Perfection is uh, a really, really well-designed game where, like, I'm not having fun because I made my own fun or just because I made my own fun. It's nice if that option's there, but I think it's really mm-hmm. great when the game is designed around really solid game loops. And you, mm-hmm. you have this epiphany moment, like Joe mentioned, like, you, you get in that zen moment where you're just really having a good time. And suddenly mm-hmm. you realize, like, you've been directed to have that kind of fun because the game's just that well made. I, I think right. that that's the perfect game for me when it's it's very subtle and trying to get you to have fun and drive you towards those good, you know, decisions. But uh, at the same time, it is it is designed to make you have fun. Right, and you and you have a different level of scrutiny on these things than uh, the rest of us do because you you've you've done some of this design yourself. Um, so, a little bit, yeah. You know, yeah. So I mean, it's, I think that that that's important to note because, uh, as I was trying to get at earlier, you know, perfect, you know, perfection is as perfection does, sir. You know, it's it's going to be a little bit different for everybody. Um, yeah, and. Uh, so anything, any other particular game that you want to add or um, a, a multiplayer experience? Um, I think I'd say Deep Rock does a really good job with that kind of thing. Like it encourages camaraderie. You've got a cheer button that everyone can see. Uh, your character says friendly stuff all the time. Like mm. if someone shoots you, you know they tell you to, to back off. When you when you pop into a, someone else's session, their <laughs> character automatically. Uh, tells you like, hey, I'm really glad you're here. We're glad to be working with you. People say thank right. you when you revive them automatically. So it's that yeah. the game is very much designed to encourage friendship right off the gate because these, these characters are friends. They like each other. So you have like, right. that, that subtle design that's really lending itself towards creating a certain kind of experience in a certain kind of game loop. Right. And they're they're designed to fit together like as a as a class, like a setup class of all the abilities that are designed to work together. Right. Until Zampir pushes the big red button and runs off and leaves everyone else to die. Exactly. Exactly. 
but that's its own kind of fun too so uh, yeah and i think portal's just, another great example of that kind of thing where they they don't tell you explicitly what to do but the level design is guiding you in a lot of subtle ways oh that you see now and that's single player uh, yeah so that's yeah that's that's interesting too um uh, and and i think that that probably because you you enjoy puzzles uh, so that would that would game would speak to you on that level as well. Yeah, you, the game is yeah. kind of telling you on a subliminal or maybe a liminal level, depending on how you're looking at it uh, or how closely you're looking at it, how to solve those puzzles. But then it's also it's telling you about the the world in and of itself because I don't have you played Portal. Uh huh. Uh huh. So you know how for the first half of the game it's very everything's very clean. It's blue and white tones at the very crisp clean lab for the second half mm-hmm. the entire game is grungy you're inside the walls you feel like you're not supposed to be there and Gladys right. is yelling at you and uh, <laughs> all the the post-processing and the lighting have all shifted to orange tones and darker like browns and the lighting is dimmer yeah. so the yeah. there's that shift in the game where they're, they're trying to get you to feel a certain way all the time yeah you know, it's 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 interesting. And then back to uh, a bit on 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 the development angle too. Can you um, can you imagine what it must have been like to work at Valve at during the time that they were making that game? That must have been a great development environment. I would imagine that team had to work pretty well together, and uh, you know, sort of have their creativities mesh um, in a way that allowed that sort of um, expression of the creativity to, to come out. Um, oh, I, yeah. think, I think is, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. I think, I think you can, you can tell a game that was, um, uh, crafted with love, um, and by a, a team of friends, um, as opposed to, you know, somebody who's, you know, at, uh, you know, pick, pick your, your, the, uh, sucky studio du jour and, you know, uh, you know the the studio that's that's crunching their employees, uh, you know, eighty hours a week um, on the reg because they're uh, they either don't have the money to pay <laughs> or they uh, um, they just they're not human beings. Um, so anyway, but I think I think that you can you can tell the difference in the end product. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I, did, I didn't I didn't play Last of Us two, um, but I, I kind of got a sense that. Um, that it wasn't the same development environment as was there for Last of Us, the first one. You know that it didn't that 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 the magic that came together to create that story um, just wasn't present in the second one, and uh, that the the end product, you know, it may have still been a great game. I don't know, but it, it, it didn't. It just didn't have the same the same uh, thing. So it's like anything. What's his name has done since Napoleon Dynamite has paled in comparison. And you know, I think both of them are a little bit soulless in a, in like a very important, distinct ways. Where like it's great, like like a triple A movie is great. You know, like on paper it checks all the boxes, but it doesn't have. I don't know. It's got, it's got great design. It's got all these different things. It's got like really advanced AI. They put tons and tons of time into the technical aspects of those games, but they just. They look pretty, but they don't feel like they're made with love whatsoever. At the end yeah, of the I, day. Just, I just the first one. I, I it made me feel things that that um, 
they weren't necessarily pleasant, but I, you know, I felt things. You know, which I, you know, anytime a game does that, I, I at least acknowledge it. You know. Yeah, dude, that cover of Take on Me, that I don't know which one that was in. I saw a YouTube video of that. That was like very mm. acoustic. It was very like slow. It was like and like that cover moved me and made me interested in that game that you guys are mentioning now. This? And it was. I think that was the second one. I think. Yeah. And I'll, yeah. yeah, yeah, very yeah, well absolutely. done. Very well done, because that like kind of tore me up when I was in my rabbit, YouTube rabbit hole that like, took me to that. And, like I, I heard that like late at night, and I was like, "Damn, that was." You were you you were all vulnerable, Joe. You I, were, was. You were, you, I was. I was. You were all all in your cups and vulnerable and yeah. wanting to cry, and and they and they said, "Ah, I'm gonna get him," and they got you. They totally got me, man. I'll <laughs> yeah, took me there, you know. But yeah, Vendus, Vendus, please, please share, share with us, Vendus. Is Vendus gone? What am I sharing? Oh. <laughs> I was like, I finally killed him. I won. Vendus, it's my favorite game. Perfect game. How do you experience that perfection? Oh. Yes. Um, wait, just like I said before, it's a game I get lost in and time flies by, right? Like, I mean, if we're going single player games, and Joe already brought up the X series, I've... X2, X3, I lost so much time. We won't even talk about the ones in between X4 because those weren't actually X-Series games. But, um, you know, I, I've also spent a lot of hours in X4 now, and I, it's one of those things, like, it, it, if it's a single-player game, it, I've got to feel like I'm living in it, right? Like like Red Dead, right? Oh. Rockstar, I will give them credit. Oh. While RDO sucks, um, they know how to make a world you feel like you're living in right like characters react to me yeah. if i go if i pick a random direction and go i'm gonna find something to do you know right. um right. and to me like early assassin's creed games things where like the world reacts to me is to yeah. me what it usually gets me to think the game is like a perfect game right yeah like a systemic game i'm sorry like a systemic kind of game Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's uh well it's it, I think it's also it's believable, you know? It's like you don't you don't feel like you're on the midway at the carnival just moving from booth to booth, you know, doing, you know, a, a mini game here, a mini game there. It all blends together and 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 supports the narrative. I mean, I I can't believe I don't have this in my notes about about my relationship with Arthur Morgan, you know. It's just you know, and and with um, I legit was, cried at the end of that game. I will say, oh, it. I legit like a, shed like a, a tear, like a baby. I mean, it was just yeah. It was what what was the uh, what was his um, what was the boss's name? Jesus, I, I, I got a gold. The Arthur, Arthur, you gotta have faith, Arthur. You gotta trust us, Arthur. You know, what was what Duke? Was, Duke, Duke, yeah. Duke? Oh, okay. Duke. I mean, he was Duke. Okay. No, that's not his name. So what? Who even cares? I do. His name is Dutch. Dutch Vanderlyn. He was a good guy who turned bad. Really? I like that. It's kinda sexy. Stop that. He's not even real. Neither are you. All right. Well, um, nobody has has hit the uh, the uh, the Groucho Marx ten thousand dollar word. Uh, it starts with an M. Immersion. Immersion. Yes! Bingo! Ding, 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 ding,
immersion. So, I yeah, I think that that's. I think we're we're all sort of dancing around the concept there. Um, so I think that that's. I think that yeah. I I, I think we're all speaking the same simpatico. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So I I want to take a, a quick step back. Um. As as Gleep does from time to time, like every time. And um, I'm going to draw an example from uh, from the real world, um, from the world of sports ball, which I know no one here cares about anymore, uh, if they ever did. And um, and I'm trying to I'm trying to tear apart the word perfect or perfection. And so I want to talk a little bit here, real quick, about uh, and by real quick I mean I'm going to read fast. Uh, the perfect game in baseball. Okay, so a perfect game in Major League Baseball is a game in which a pitcher or combination of pitchers pitches a victory that lasts a minimum of nine innings and no opposing batter reaches base. So in theory, considering it takes four balls to throw, four balls thrown to walk a batter and there can be an unlimited number of foul tips, there could be many hundreds of pitches thrown within the course of a perfect game. Um, And assuming that part of the pitcher's skill set is to cause a batter to hit into an easy out, be it a ground ball or a, um, an easy fly ball that is caught, the minimum number of pitches needed to satisfy the requirements for a perfect game is 27. So a perfect, perfect game would be that. Three batters per inning, each retired with one pitch, nine innings, 27 pitches thrown. Now, the record for the least number of pitches thrown in a complete perfect game is 74, and that record was earned by a gentleman named Addie Joss of the Cleveland Naps. <laughs> I wonder what Naps was short for. Um, and that was uh, on October 2nd in 1908, yes. And I don't recall us talking about that on the show then, so it's good that we've got that out of the way now. <clears throat> so my point is, even though Mr. Joss's perfect game was less perfect than the perfectest perfect game, it was still a very perfect game. And it could have been perfecter, but still the perfectest whatever was. So far, to this point in time, to this point in space-time... And if I'm remembering correctly, Addy's Perfect Game was only the second ever thrown in the modern history of baseball, which I think, um, well, this was the modern history of the American League, which I think encompassed most, if not all, of what we currently think of, or don't think of, in the case of you three gentlemen, as professional baseball. The show, the big time, the boys of summer, if you will. Uh, So, that, one perfect game before, and each of the only 19 other perfect games after Joss's perfect game were all equally perfect. It's just that some of them were more equally perfect than the others. Oink, oink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or well. Uh, but then, and here's the important bit, for who or whom, I can never, who or whom, for who day were those games perfect? In other words, who really experienced those perfections? And I think it's, it's, it's obvious. The pitchers did, and it was only the pitchers. They were the ones that were in the zone. They were the ones that were merged. I, can't, I guess you'd have to say immersed. You can't, really, you can't really change it into the M word. They were the ones that were completely immersed in the experience. For their teammates and the fans in the stands, it certainly was an exciting thing to watch and to be a part of, but only the pitchers were or could be truly engaged. You see, the chickens made their contributions, but only the pigs made a commitment. Oink, oink. All right, so, like beauty the suns- the- and sunscreen at the worst times while driving, perfection is in the eye of the beholder. All perfections are valid, can exist nearly simultaneously, usually have a life expectancy measured in minutes, but sometimes in hours. 
um, and are frequently hard as hell to coordinate with friends. And um, that's a, a particular um, uh, peeve of mine. Um, now, I forget all the particulars, but uh, the tradition used to be that after the third or fourth perfect inning was complete, the lucky pitcher's teammates would stop talking to him. He sat by himself at the end of the dugout while his team was at bat, and nobody acknowledged him sitting there, okay? Because, of course, one of the aspects of baseball is it has a long tradition of superstition, and no one wants to be the one to break the magic spell and ruin the perfection, okay? And it makes sense, too, that those teammates want, could want to be associated with a perfect game for purposes of their own career. Um, to be the catcher who caught Catfish Hunter's perfect game in 1968, in which Catfish also bunted in the winning run during the bottom of the seventh inning. Um, or to be the second baseman who made an impossible late-inning catch of a ball hit off the side of the second base bag to throw out the batter and keep the dream alive for Randy Johnson's 2004 perfect game. Randy Johnson, some called him RJ, others called him the big unit. He was the oldest pitcher at nearly 41 years young to ever throw a perfect game, and at six foot ten, he was also the tallest. And he f***ed Madonna, too. <laughs> Back when she was somebody. So there's that. And Madge was quoted after the fact as saying, Big unit, yeah, he does. <laughs> now that's what I call a perfect game. <laughs> I don't know. You guys may have seen. You guys aren't. You, none of you guys are baseball fans, correct? Have been, ever? Do we still play baseball? Uh, I watched a lot of games as a kid. Oh, okay. Well, you may have seen then, uh, Randy Johnson was the one, there was one particular one where the pitcher wound up and threw, and it became a gif eventually, uh, wound up and threw and hit a bird, and the bird exploded. Uh, they, they show it in slow motion, you know, he winds up, because he, I mean, six foot ten, and he would put all of it in, into his fastball. It was, but anyway, the bird exploded, and, you know, <laughs> PETA wanted him, you know, charged with a crime. <laughs> it was just like, and he felt really bad. He was like, I don't, I don't have anything against the bird. I just threw the ball and flew in front of it. Someone somewhere <gasps> had that ball in a display case. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Um, so, and finally, speaking of being in their very own, very special zone. Yes, that's right. Here comes the fun part. On June 12, 1970, Pittsburgh Pirates pitcher Doc Ellis did something that should have been impossible. He threw a no-hitter despite being as high as a kite on lysergic acid diethylamide, otherwise known as LSD. Ask for it by name! Yes! Facing the Padres at the old San Diego Stadium, Ellis took to the mound after having taken the drug earlier in the day. He then proceeded to completely dominate the Padres, walking eight batters and hitting one. It was the first and only no-hitter of Ellis's career, and almost certainly the only Major League Baseball no-hitter pitched under the influence of LSD. The day before the game, Ellis had taken LSD with his friends, or with some friends, in Los Angeles, and he lost track of time. When he woke up the next morning, he still believed that it was the day before, so he took some more. Two hours later, a friend reminded him that he was scheduled to pitch that day. That Ellis managed to get to the airport, get on an airplane, get to San Diego, and then get to the ballpark, all while high on acid, is a miracle enough, but it beggars belief that he was then able to throw a nine-inning no-hitter, despite, as he later said, being unable to feel the ball or see the catcher. <laughs> he said, I started having a crazy idea in the fourth inning that Richard Nixon was the home plate umpire, and once I thought I was pitching to Jimi Hendrix, who was holding a guitar and swinging it out over the plate. <laughs> <laughs> so that wasn't a perfect game, but it was a remarkable game nonetheless. And, you know, though 
though he was he was chemically altered, he too was in his own zone and experienced his own brand of perfection there because that was the best game he ever pitched. So that was that was a moment of perfection for Doc Ellis. You know, I know I heard that story, in... but not the bird story. So is the le- is the lesson here to take LSD to experience your perfect game? <laughs> well, I, I well that was going to ask you guys. So, um, have any of you guys um, uh, have you ever gamed while under the influence? If so, how was the experience affected? And if not, stop lying because no one believes you. <laughs> well, well, first off, I've never done one of these sober, so. <laughs> I don't know, you know what you expect of me, but and also I learned a lot from Denzel Washington. He can land a plane on cocaine mm-hmm. upside down. There you go. Enough said. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, and, and I know that you know Sorian enjoys a snifter of bourbon, um, or probably I don't know sn- snifter's brandy, right? A tumbler of bourbon. Yeah. Um, well, while gaming, um, I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't, Venice, I don't know about your uh, your consumption habits. If you um, if you uh, enjoy the, um, um, uh, I have the a game. kegerator in my office. We'll just leave it at that. Oh. <laughs> All right. right. <laughs> that that answers that entirely. Yeah, I I can't. Uh, back when I was a, a drinking fellow, I couldn't drink in game because I, I lost I lost all fine motor skills once I had started drinking for the day. So, um, uh, now, now all I do is just drink monsters like they're going out of style. Um, but yeah, so interesting. Uh, so anyway, the idea is that I'm trying to get at is that perfection is a different experience. Um, and different, even, even a perfect gaming experience can be, um, uh, can be torn apart in different ways. And so, uh, like just like in baseball, that you can have um, uh, many different compositions of a perfect game. They're all perfect, and they're um, they're all um, special. And I think that I think it's safe to say. So what did, what did I figure? There's 20 different people that have thrown a a, a, a perfect game, um, and I, I guarantee that all 20 of those uh, guys, those that are still living, um, and this is since 1908. Since no. Because the first one was in 1903, I believe. So anyway, so this is in the last 120 years, roughly. So I bet you every one of those guys remembered that that experience till the day they died. So that's I, I think there and there's there's value in that, and also uh, value um, well, there's value in comparing that to the, the our quest, our journey, our um, our um, our mission to find uh, the perfect game that we can that more of us can share together um then can't <laughs> um but okay so um let's see all right all right so um any other games that you guys want to um want to talk about in the, in that context and remember uh gleep's gaming triangle of death tm is uh, an open source resource uh source resource source resource i i, I do i do re- I do remember saying saying words a lot back in the seventies. <laughs> I'm surprised no one mentioned Kingdom Come Deliverance. Um, oh, yeah. I was gonna say Elder Scrolls. Which, oh yeah. Well, I mean, almost seems kind of obvious at this point, but yeah. No, both those games. Um, also, and both those games, I never really finished, if you will. I don't like a game that can be finished, but. I'll leave it at that. But both those games I got lost in, 
completely. Um, and I love, I mean, Kingdom Come Deliverance was awesome for so many ways. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I, I think, uh, uh, Vendus, we, um, I don't know if Joe played or not, but I think that uh, you and Sorian and I had had some of these experiences in, um, oh, crap, what's the uh, the lo-fi um, MMO? Um, 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 Project Gorgon. Oh. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Yeah, we should have brought that up. That is yeah, I'm, a great game, and I'm getting ready to go back to it because they're getting ready to do... They're starting slowly being releasing their husbandry and stuff like that. So, yeah, I and I and I think we we did you know for there's I would say there was because I think Sor didn't Sorian get into it first or Venice you you had been into it previously or something but no Sorian I remember did. Sorian Sorian was really the impetus he kept saying there guys there <laughs> there is this extremely low fidelity MMO and it's fantastic you have to play it and like everyone's going what <laughs> I'm sorry what. Is this the new Amazon game, that New World game? No, no, this is the opposite of that. <laughs> this is Old World. Oh. This is Old, Old World. <laughs> this is this is flat characters. This is flat terrain. This is flat. It's just flat. But it's but it was it's an excellent game, you know. Yeah. So it's the closest to SWG that I've played, or even since like to EverQuest that I've played since those games came out. It's like the closest new game to those games. Yeah, yeah, I I think it was it was definitely a special game. It was special, uh, special game. But you know, and and I and I'll get to this in a little in a second here. But um, I think that um, a, a special game is can't always be the perfect game for you. I think you know, like like we were talking about previously about who were we as gamers when we played Star Wars Galaxies the first time. You know, for the first. Uh, the first, our first run at it, um, we were we were different. The world was different. Uh, our our um, our gaming alternatives were different. So um, I think all of those things uh, uh, contribute and uh, to varying degrees. But um, so, all right. Um, any other games? Any other games before I, I go on a screed here? Screed warnings. Screed alert. Oh no. Oh no! Odyssey's coming soon. Maybe it'll be good. Um. Maybe. Yeah. 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 I. Um. I. I think that. Um. Uh, and I think I said this to somebody in in chat the other day that um, when it released, I think that you know it was a legit criticism to say that it was a mile wide and an inch deep. I think that they've improved upon it. I think it's two to three inches deep now, and. Uh, with horizons, maybe it'll get to six inches or even a foot deep, but you know it's still—I don't know—and and, and you know, another thing that can play into the individual's um, uh, perfection filter is if you've played a game before and, like Joe said, with Ark, you feel like been there, done that. It may be that there's no, there's really not a an, an access for you to get back in that the way that other people can does that make sense yeah. you know, that it's it's you know that you've 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 played that out and so there may be is you're not going to play odyssey no i i i'm not i'm not it's <clears throat> I, I don't have any plans i don't have any plans to play it i mean it's uh but it's not out yet um yeah it's uh, you know there's the way that that game has progressed because i bought in beta i bought that game in beta um yep. and um, you know, I enjoyed it, but it was, you know, it was kind of like, 
it was similar in some ways to No Man's Sky in that it was always a struggle to try to have fun with friends for me. You know, as I, I had a reasonably good time by myself, but when it came to trying trying to access any of the multi, the the um, the included multiplayer functionality, which came a little bit later on, or trying to create multi multiplayer, you know, uh, uh, gameplay on my own, you know, through coordinating with people, it just always ended up being more about I think, and sorry, and you put it this way, um, uh, create my own fun. Uh, create my own fun situation, and, so, and sometimes the little the little boy in me wants to have the fun created for him, and wants to you know sort of um, uh, you know be all slack jawed and wonder, kind of going, "Wow, that just happened. That was cool." Rather than it's like, "Jesus, Buddha, would you hurry up and get over here?" <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think developers need to take more responsibility for people having a good experience in their game. It's like a you can have a sandbox game and not be as hands-off as we are now, I think. Like, people... I don't know, there's just no... There's nothing put in games now to make sure that people have something interesting happen to them at some point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's also the coordination yeah. aspect you mentioned, where, like, okay, let's all play Elite Dangerous. Oh, yeah, well, I'll see you next week because I'm over in this system, and it's going to take that long for us to meet up. So, it's cool. Right, right. Yeah, and I know, and I had heard something um, uh, of you know the game of, of which we shall not speak, but I heard something where there there was the um, debate or the uh, the uh, um, forum storm uh, had reignited around the whole smithing thing around you know uh, your character being able to smith into um, a friend's ship as an NPC. And, uh, you know, it's... I got the one thing that could save that game, honestly. And, but then, you know, it, 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 blow, it blows up and, you know, people are, you know, screaming at each other about how, you know, how dare you ruin the game that I backed, you know, on June 13th, 2014, you know, and if you do, if you do this, I'll sue you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know... I mean that on top of everything else, you know, it's just no, I can't, I can't, I just can't. All right, well, might not be a surprise. I think I think I already uh, buried the lead there, but um, I identify perfection by immersion, and if immersion is present, I can uh, be in a perfect space. And we'll Richard fingers that one. Now, Minecraft is the game that immediately comes to my mind when I think about this. Uh, with nothing but the music, um, that guy C418, though his mama calls him Daniel Rosenfeld. I don't know, C418 kind of rolls off the tongue a little bit. Uh, better. But with nothing but that and a limitless world to explore, I frequently stayed well immersed for hours and hours and hours at a time. And those experiences were definitely a function of that time. Uh, I got into it pre-release right before the Redstone update, and that was that was actually how I met John Pizza. That was I was playing on his Minecraft server, so that was that was how um, that um, that convergence of Johns happened, uh, that, and that would have been in March of uh, 2013. And there's been a lot of games since then. Some I can associate with perfection, uh, and a lot I cannot. Um, the story portion of GTA V, um, also Red Dead Redemption. You know, oh, yes. How did I, how did I not put that on there? Um, maybe some of the um, some of the a little bit of the GTA V online with friends, um, though. Um, 
I think we've 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 kind of talked a little bit about how with friends, perfection with friends, <laughs> perfection with friends is different than perfection by yourself because only you know how you like to be perfected. <laughs> Um, sea of Thieves, Deep Rock Galactic, Destiny Two. You know, so the list goes on. There, there are all of these that um, have had uh, some perfection um, in my gaming life uh, for me. And, you know, and prior to 2013, there were special games too. Uh, um, Doom, the original Doom. Hours, not as many as Minecraft, not as many. But uh, God, I played that game so much when it first. Uh, I played the I played the demo. I played the demo for weeks before I actually went out and got the game because I was just having so much fun. Um, uh, we had to. St- I had to stay late at work because I didn't have a computer at home um, to run it on. So I, we would uh, we would turn off all the lights and play Doom, order pizzas, and bring in beers. In the I worked in a data center then, and we would just spend the night playing Doom. It was awesome. And Unreal Tournament, same thing. Quake Three, Halo, GTA Four, GTA Four single player. But God, I mean that story. An- another God, they do the stories really really good. Um, but all of these, they have their perfect moments in, in my heart-shaped box. Um, now, if perfection could be described by univariate equations, ha-ha, autoregression, don't you love it? I do. Uh, I suppose there wouldn't be any better way to understand how some games are better, better, Richard Fingers, than others, than to buy lots of games and try lots of games, rinse and repeat. We call that the Vendus Method. But for me, and I've only recently become aware of this, the quality of a game for me, when considered within its context to my meat space life, I'm not going to call it my IRL life because then that, that I, I feel like that devalues my relationships with you guys. I think that, that, um, that that's um, it's a, a potential misnomer, so I, I'm trying to avoid saying that. But I like meat space better. Meat space... Maybe significantly different. So I think this has always been the case for me, but of late the effect has become stronger and it is increasing. Because escapism has always been important to me in making my entertainment choices. Books, movies, video games, in all these things I have traditionally sought out risk. Risk when compared to my meat space life. Uh, be it fantasy worlds filled with dwarves and dragons or fantastical worlds filled with criminals and the trappings of life lived outside the law. Because meat space is boring, I have escaped to riskier places in gaming. Taking on those risks in the playgrounds of my mind added seasoning to my predictable boring meat space life. Variety, spice, life! And I knew, I knew in all those situations that I could always return to my safe place. Not my happy place, where I was stealing exotic cars or sailing the sea of thieves in search of a prehistoric shark with my friends. Those places maybe felt like a safe place too, given the overwhelming tedium of being a grown-up and having responsibilities. But no, those were always my happy places. My safe place has always been with my family, my job, my boring but safe meat space life. But things have changed. My safe place isn't as safe as it used to be. Um, not, through, not through 2020 eyeballs, anyway. Uh, work has turned of late into a seething cauldron of stress. Um, recently, much more stressful than normal, Richard's fingers. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about, more about that at the end of the show. We are, my wife and I, are extremely lucky to be able to keep our business open. Um, uh, it just has to do with our relationship to the federal government and their requirements relative to what we do for our clients. We could very easily have been shut down along with so many other small California businesses. 
And now that knowledge necessitates some gratitude, to be sure, but it also constantly reminds us to never say never, and that but for the grace of, there go Wisa. <laughs> Wisa been luck out big time so far. So, in an odd way, my places have kind of switched. Meat space is the risky place, and I am drawn to escape to safer places. Places that help me remember happier times. Places I can't go to in the real world for the foreseeable future. Places like the Reno Air Races. Places like to visit friends we've spent time with every year for the last 20 years but can't do that this year. Family, friends, people we've lost contact with but we don't even know it yet. So my safe place now needs to be in my mind and I'm hoping the places I go there can keep hope alive that someday the places I can't go in the real world will become accessible again. The Reno Air Races might be done for good. Um, that's just the, the finances of it. That realization this year brought me down uh, several pegs. Uh, I was very sad about that. It may very well come back, and Mrs. the Mrs. and I are going to continue to hold out hope that it does. And there are other air races in the country, um, uh, in the western U.S., within driving distance. Um, I just I have a real need right now to go there again. Um, and it doesn't matter where there ends up being so much as I just want to, I just want to know that that part of my life is not over. Um, and after Reno was canceled this year, I thought to check out, check on the auto races that are held here in my recently adopted hometown. Um, a lot of years ago, long before I, I moved here, I used to crew for a friend who raced stock cars here at, at the local track. Now, I did that for two or three years, and we traveled to out-of-town races all over the northern, uh, northwestern United States. And though I had other interests at the—I I, I knew this person from, uh, from other interests. I didn't know him from, from auto racing, but that was his main hobby, and so he asked me to help, and so I did. Um, so— Though that really wasn't my, I, I wasn't available to, to really focus on what it was that he was doing. I was happy to help, and we had a lot of fun. And the culture of amateur racing really made a lasting impression upon me during, during those years. So um, I checked out my hometown track and other tracks in the local area. And though those racetracks couldn't accommodate fans in person this year, they did continue to hold some races, and they broadcast those races over pay-per-view. So the Mrs. and I, we watched a few, and it felt good to sort of reconnect to this meat space thing uh, from a happier, a happier time. So, um, and because I, I am the way that I am with games, in my safe space, I played a little more Wreckfest, and then I picked up some other racing games that were on sale. And one of Handsome's buddies, I, I don't remember his, his, his tag, I just know that he's really tall. He's not big unit tall, but he is tall, and that he got married to a woman this year who's really short. Mr. Uh, Destroyer1664. Yes, yes, that's him. Anyway, he had given me a key to uh, the 2020 version of uh, the F1 game, so I played that a little bit too. And I was I was playing all these games with an Xbox controller, and you know, so uh, you know, still just kind of having a nostalgia moment, even though um, uh, you know, having a, a little bit of uh, uh, having issues with the uh, the actual uh, immersion of it, given my interface to the game, my gameplay interface. Um, and I also mentioned that Evil, um, his meat space buddy, that sounds weird, doesn't it? I like it, though. Evil's meat space buddy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Pit, 
Pitt. Pitt helped me um, after uh, Flight Simulator 2020 released. He helped me with some information and ideas about some flight sim peripherals. And so I bought, I should actually, I, I should pay for, I paid for a good mid-range setup to get me started. And But it, as it turns out, so did everyone else on the goddamn planet. <laughs> so I'm still waiting for some parts to be delivered. But then, because they can smell weakness through the internet, those Russian bots hacked my email and I started receiving ads for deals on auto racing sim peripherals peripherals in stock now and deeply discounted so damn those russian bots i folded like a two dollar suitcase and i don't know what that means exactly but i heard it in a humphrey bogart movie so it has to mean something so the auto racing sim parts all arrived and i was able to get an interim seating solution sort of set up in my home office lots of duct tape and zip ties um you know a a straight backed um, a dining room uh, set chair, which <laughs> the missus goes, where did the other chair go? I have no idea. I have no idea. Huh. Yeah, that's funny. Um, and the wheel and the pedals work uh, better with some sims than others. Um, uh, some, some, uh, you just have to play with the controller. But anyway, one welcome aspect of most of those games is that the immersion for me is quick and it's, it's pretty much automatic. Once a race starts, I am focused, and the rest of the world just goes away until I'm done losing. Because I always lose, but I don't always come in last. So um, I have some brief, reliable, perfect gaming moments which take me away to a better place for just a moment. Where the rivers flow, and I call it home. Now, I do wish that I shared this current obsession with more of my friends, but like I said earlier, perfection is frequently hard as hell to coordinate with other people. And finally, hearkening back once more to my most perfect game ever, and that would have to be Minecraft, recalling its power to transform the playgrounds within my mind, even though I'm still, for the time being, stuck using an Xbox controller for Flight Simulator, there simply is no better bang for my perfection buck than flying a single-engine airplane from Reno south along US-395, following the eastern side of the Sierra Nevada mountain range on a late fall afternoon, looking to see if I can identify some of the mountains I climbed 20-plus years ago, and though I know I likely won't climb them again, as it is with my hometown racetrack, I feel better, I feel a lot better knowing in my mind that they are still there and still just as awe-inspiring as I remember them. So that's all I got. Um, you guys got anything else about games, life, or ice cream? Well, I was just going to say when you were talking about racing, and the, you're all talking about you're never last, but you're not first. I mean, if mm. you're not first, you're last. I'm the, I'm the 27th place loser in a field of Ricky 50. Bobby, yeah, no? Okay. <laughs> I, I do wish I enjoyed the racing and flying games more. Yeah, it's God, it's a it's a peculiar thing. It really is. All the Sims are peculiar. You know, it's I think you have you, you come at it f from a different place, and I and I I don't always have I don't I don't have the words to to describe how it feels, but it does for me right now have a very strong connection to some things that I'm really missing in my life, and uh, so that's kind of that's kind of how that works. But, I can you know, put on a hazmat suit and come give you a hug. <laughs> Did you guys see my? Uh, uh, I don't know if, if all you, did you guys see my uh, my DIY uh, pop filter? Yeah, yes, I did do that. I, I, I took I took my I took my COVID mask and I put it to a, a second use. <laughs> I, I repurposed my COVID mask. <laughs> 
we'll see how well it works. Okay. Um, you know, life is hard, blah, 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 blah. Change your diaper and pipe down gramps. You're putting the young'uns off their vape pens. <laughs> um, Jerks. Yeah. I had mentioned before. That law is retarded. Oh, that, oh, that's right. You're a they're vapor, ba- aren't you? Yeah, and they're fucking banning. Oh, sorry. <laughs> they're banning <laughs> flavored juice. And my buddy that smokes menthol cigarettes, they're banning those. And it's like, what the hell? <laughs> what do they think is going to happen? There's going to be an illegal market for it where it's much less safe oh. than it is. In the states, they've already done that. In the states, they've already done that. They shut down a illegal juice production factory, I guess, whatever, vape juice production factory, and they had mm-hmm. four over 4,000 bottles uh, in package ready to go out. And the juice they were making um, had some of the banned FDA uh, chemicals in it that cause are known to cause popcorn lung. Yep. And so it's like, mm-hmm. exactly, that they're just going to make it worse, and people are, people are going to go out, out of their way to buy other juice that yeah, isn't I, I safe. I don't understand how we can we can come at things and say like, well, if we ban, you know, certain like you know really really bad drugs, then we're just putting people in jail for no fucking reason, and they're gonna get it from somewhere. They're gonna get it from somewhere seedy, but they they can't make that connection with nicotine for whatever reason. Right. Well, I don't get. You can make weed legal, but flavored vape juice. I mean, I, I get the route that they wanted to take of changing the boxes. You know, just like how cigarettes had it applied where it couldn't have any too flashy stuff and marketing and all that stuff to keep kids off of it. I, I get yeah. that. But the full-on ban it, that's just going to – and then it's going to have the the foe of, oh, this is banned. Oh, my friend has one. I'm going to try it because it's banned. You know, like how weed was when it was illegal. Yep. Yeah. You don't know what that shit's laced with. Venice, you know that um, you heard that our, our governor got uh, got caught eating at one of the most expensive restaurants in the world, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I no, I did not know that, but it doesn't surprise me because I, I don't pay it. Like I, yeah, don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oops, you know, bad, just like how Disneyland still shut down, right? And yeah, right. all their other parks that they have open yeah. have had no cases linked back to them. They're they're clearly doing, you know, know what they need to do, and but for some reason Disneyland can't. And it's like, and so they had to lay off all the parks and. Yeah, like, like I said, like this whole COVID thing, like we're hitting a point of no return eco- economically. We hit it a long time ago, and it's just getting worse. Yeah, I, you know, I don't, I, I have, I have no, I, I think I've, I've demonstrated pretty well that I have no knowledge of science or physics, <laughs> but I do know, I do know hypocrisy when I'm staring at it, and um, that, that I thought that was, I got a chuckle out of that one. Yeah. Um. Um. So anyway. I had mentioned before that I wanted to put out more regular content in smaller chunks. Uh, that tends to t- end up taking more time than I have to spend right now. Um, it's We've gone through some crazy stuff here at the office. And um, uh, so I'm going to, between now and the end of the year and then into, into the first part of January, I'm going to be busy trying to make things balance and, uh, you know, make up good stories for why other things don't. Um, so anyway, uh, this show will be it for November and I hope to record again one more time this year in December, then maybe hopefully, uh, by the, uh, the middle uh, part of January, things will be, um, easier and we can return to weekly releases. Um, and so, yeah, this show you're listening to now at this point in your very own space, 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 time, continuum, um, 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 
is the entirety of what we recorded for the month on November 23rd. Uh, and then it'll be the same thing for December. One recording session, one ginormous release. Um, what what date does uh, Cyberpunk release? December 10th? 10th. 10th. December 10th. Wait, the game looks amazing. Okay. I'm gonna, I want to... I, I hate I'll, you, we'll, ske- we'll, we'll schedule... We'll schedule all... Guys, I, you know... Guys, I have a 3080. I haven't had time to put it in my goddamn machine. How did, how did you get bite off of you? I I had a friend who saw one, Wait, bought what? it, fell off yeah, a truck. I'd, you got a thirty? Yeah. God, I'm so jelly right now because I finally was like pulling the trigger, like I'm gonna upgrade, build a new rig. The only yeah. thing stopping me is thirty eighties, and then yeah. I was like, well, maybe I'll just get a PS5, and the world said nope to that too. <laughs> you can't get shit. You can't get any. You can't get AMD. You can't get Nvidia. You can't get an Xbox. You can't get a PS. You can't get <sighs> a goddamn thing. Uh. Um, we so sad. <laughs> Rage. <laughs> All right. Um. So anyway, I'm. I will schedule our next recording session around the time of that release, so that we can uh, we can finally get this discuss this game that we've been talking about for for ever so long. Um, looking forward to that. But until then, I am still Gleep, he is still Sorry, and other he is still Vendus, and other other he is still evil. He's still Joe. He's still evil Joe. And this has been a perfect game, brought to you by the fine folks over at the Pantscast family of shows, a wholly, wholly owned subsidiary of Gleep's Gaming Network TM, podcasting by the seat of our pants since December 17th, 1903 at Kill Devil Hills, North Carolina, when it was said for the very first time... Let us see your perfect pants! Yeah! <laughs> can I can I get a Takai? Can I get a, a Takai over here, please? Can I get a George? Give me someone drop a George on me. Oh my. The music is reversible, but time Turn back. Turn back. Turn back. Turn back. Your perfect pants, your pants, they make me want to dance. Make me dance like I got ants, got ants in my perfect pants. <laughs> you know what else happened at Kill Devil Hills? That very same day, in fact. Hmm? Hmm? No. It's not too far from you, Sorian, I don't people think. People got high on LSD? No! Kill Devil Ants! Size of your thumb in my pants crawled right up my dick hole! Burnt like hellfire! That does sound like Georgia. I screamed like a little babby. There weren't no one around to see, though, except a couple of weirdos trying to get their lawnmower to cut tall grass from on its side. Damn thing kept bouncing up and down like an egg hen with hemorrhoids. I tell you what!
What? Yeah, I'll tell you what. What? I wonder if anything ever come of that.